with one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 53 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, better known as DCU. And not only is DCU a great place to bank at, but they are also a great place to work at. And they are hiring for full and part-time positions for several of their branch locations throughout Massachusetts and New Hampshire right now. So if you, a friend, or a family member is looking for a career change or to start a new career at a credit union, making a difference for their members and their families, just visit dcu.org careers. DCU is proud to be an equal employment opportunity and affirmative action employer. That's dcu.org slash careers. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Jumptown Skydiving, America's oldest skydiving drop zone located conveniently off Route 2 in Orange, Massachusetts. If you have always wanted to check skydiving off of your bucket list, do it today. Jumptown is open seven days a week. And if you work in the service industry... Jumptown understands you can't get the weekend off. That's why they offer service industry discounts on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays with tandem skydives as low as $185. And if you organize a group, for every person you bring with you, you get 10 bucks off your jump. Bring 10 people and you jump free. Get on the plane and climb to 13,000 feet in the air and jump out. Call 978-544-5321 to book your tandem skydive or visit jumptown.com for more information. Okay, this week, my guest on the podcast is Lee Kakati from Pop Evil. I've known Lee a really long time, and he's been holed up in Michigan with the family riding out the pandemic. The band just released their latest album, Versatile. Or is it versatile? We'll find out in the episode. Lee and I got caught up on the last year and a half and how he's been spending his time, what went into making the new record, how he writes songs, what his home state of Michigan and the city of Detroit mean to him and the band, what he misses about touring, how he feels about the future of rock and roll, the fans, and so much more. So if you haven't picked up the new Pop Evil album yet or you haven't listened to it yet, it's called Versatile and it's out now. I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. Lee and I had a great conversation, and it was so nice to get caught up. I just can't wait to see him live again. So allow me to introduce you to Lee Kakati from Pop Evil. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Her hair is so lovely. 
Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your bra on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. This meeting is being recorded, Lee. I love it. It's on. I'm okay with it. Oh, my God. It's so good to see you. Great to see you, too. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I've just been lounging. I'm actually in between kids' games. I get to see all the nieces, nephews, all the young ones in, 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 the, uh, in the family lineage are, are, are growing, and they're doing their, doing their sports thing. So it's been nice to kind of be around and, and get to do that, be a part of their lives for a bit. So that's cool. Are you the guy on the sidelines that's, like, screaming that can't be controlled that all the other parents no. think are idiots? No. No, I'm incognito very much so. <laughs> All the parents very much know what I do. So I kind of go and uh, kind of just kind of fly on the wall type vibe. You know, what, I don't want to embarrass, but the kids will get mad. The kids will get mad. What you know kind what I mean? of games are we talking about? What are you going and watching? Base, baseball, soccer, you know, whatever they're doing. A little bit of, I think it's flag football. You know what I mean? And I'm always behind, you know, because I don't get to see the family enough. So it's just always kind of when I get to roll in, they're all surprised and you know, it is what it is. So it's been nice to kind of, again, nothing about my life normally has to do with any kind of going to games or anything like that. So it's been nice to kind of just be normal for a minute and, uh, and get to take part in some of those activities and, uh, you know, be around and razz the young ones and, uh, you know, let them know what, a, what, a, what, a, what a has been. I once was, <laughs> it's all good. Are you cool? Uncle Lee. You'd have to ask them. <laughs> I, I get a chance to spend yeah. a lot of time like with my nieces and nephews and auntie yeah. Carrie always tries to buy the cool yeah. gifts and the ones that make all the noise. Is that what uncle yeah. Lee does too? Yeah. Well, I try, but they're they're They all have everything, you know, my brother and, and, and other family members spoil them so much that, I mean, I don't think, I don't think they, but they're getting older. So they're starting to understand, you know, uh, uh, you know, what cool gifts are rather, but, uh, they have so much. I don't think they, they really, I've tried that early on in, 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 in their, in their early years and it never worked. So I kind of gave up. I'm just like, whatever, you know what I mean? I lost a lost cause. Don't worry. You. When they become teenagers, they're going to want there all access passes for pop evil tours. That's when, yeah, hopefully that'll be the, the cool moment. And when <laughs> your uncle's like status shines through. So we'll see. Congratulations we'll see on the release of the new album. Finally. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, it felt like it was never going to happen. I'm so, so grateful that it's out. For the last, you know, year plus since WAF went off the air, which, yeah. you know, we're all still kind of grieving that loss and had to do it sure. locked down. Right. 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 Um, it's been really interesting launching the podcast mm -hmm. and being able to have conversations during lockdown about how mm -hmm. people were handling this downshift, how musicians were handling constantly being gone, like what you were talking about, and now yeah. not being able to go anywhere. And with you yeah. guys, you were going to release the record, releasing songs. Like, what was that whole process like for you and the band? 
it sucked. You know what I mean? I mean, much like you guys, I mean, we were trying to figure out what our tomorrow was with, with any kind of, a, with certainty, you know, I mean, it was for us too. everything was full, full, full guns, uh, blazing, ready to go for that spring tour. We we're going to launch the album. And of course, then COVID hit, we thought maybe it would be just two months. We we're kind of hopeful. And then we'd be back on tour in the spring, everything be back to normal. And then of course, you know, being from Michigan as well, the band is very much rooted in the state. So, you know, the lockdown started to get even tighter for us in Michigan. So it was like, wow, we're not even gonna be able to get to our storage units. Like, how are we gonna, how are we gonna even get to rehearsals? So then it became, you know, summer. Okay, cool. Can we be back to work by fall? And then of course that turned into a year. And then it just, then it was a different mindset for everybody. You know, I mean, I hadn't seen the band for months. I know that after talking to them, some of them were doing other jobs just to make, I think I did a couple of interviews that kind of got construed, but I think people like kind of have this weird fallacy that a modern day rock star just gets to sit around all day. This is not what exists. You know, we have to, we're very much a band that has to keep the lights on by touring month after month after month. And, and a lot of bands are like us that have to do the same thing. So I think a lot of fans were shocked to hear like, I mean, yes, we can't just go back to a normal job because who's going to hire us when we're just like, yeah, well, we can't work weekends and we have to be willing to go tour on a whim. So, you know, can, so it has to be like odds and end jobs with friends that we've had and people we know that would let us kind of, you know, uh, care about our job, our real job to, you know, give us an opportunity to make some work and, and make some money on, on the side. And, you know, the, 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 the vibe kind of shifted to it wasn't so much about pop evil then it was more of like, the human element was just surviving and getting by and making sure our, our families were safe and our band family was safe. So it was a lot of ups and downs, and you know, just like for everyone else, it was the same for us. I mean, I had a really interesting conversation with Josh Todd from Buckcherry. He went to phlebotomy school because wow. he wanted to have a backup plan to provide for his family because nobody <laughs> knew how long this was going to go on. And he was like, well, if I get into some kind of medical thing, I figure that I'd have yeah. some pretty good job security and they don't care about my tattoos there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this is a great thing, you know, with, with someone like Josh too, he's been doing this for so long. I mean, for me too, I'm sure that all of us relate like we've, all been doing this since we were very, very little. And so to actually have a year where we sang at all or played zero, it's, it's devastating to the mental, you know, the mental health of, of any musician. And, you know, I had those same flashbacks too. I mean, I was like, okay, well, maybe I could sit out a few months. Okay. I'm, I'm pushing it to go a year. Any much past a year is going to, it's going to be devastating to any true musician. You know, it's just, you can't really afford to sit out much longer than that. So yeah, the backup plan kind of thoughts definitely crept in. And that's of course, any, musicians fears to go home right so i mean it was uh it's very much a reality and and it's a very stressful time and and um shoot just being able to have songs kind of being able to be released and have an album done was was definitely refreshing we didn't have to worry about trying to get to a studio and trying to finish up something that we had we we were very blessed and fortunate in that position that we were pretty much done with the record and everything else we had to do we could do via email and facetime so you know it let us kind of dive in and just really digest this pandemic and and it gave us a lot of time to think about the pros and the cons, that's for sure. I've been joking with people because, you know, I like, I'm that person at funerals that makes jokes. Like, I just, yeah. the gallows humor, it's how I get through stuff. Right, And right. with WAF right. going off the air at the end of February, after 50 years on the air, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I told everybody, like, I was out of work before it was cool. Before, yeah, before yeah, COVID, yeah. you know, because <laughs> I had a couple weeks right. head start to have my world completely shattered because right. AAF went off the air at the end of February and it was like, oh, okay, it was this mad rush. And like COVID was like, it was a story on the news, but it wasn't anything mm-hmm. that anybody thought was going to take over the world the way that it did. And for sure. radio, just like with touring musicians or whatever, 
the whole mm-hmm. industry just changed. And I yeah. remember having that that sit down with myself pretty early on and going, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go back to a radio station the way that I used to, which is why I built my new studio, MCHQ. So welcome to my new studio. It looks awesome too, by the way. It looks phenomenal. It's got so much character. I love it. It's it's like having my own private radio studio. It's the cleanest studio I've ever worked in. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> right. It's right. like you can it walk through awesome. here with a white glove and yeah. it's like, ooh, that's because radio stations <laughs> are usually disgusting. You were absolutely. Yeah, they, they sure are. Some can be, no doubt. And then and then to be able to like start my video show, launch my mm-hmm. podcast, my website, like all the things that kind of bands have to have in tandem with your touring and recording life is to have all of this other stuff set. I had none of that. And so I remember having this thought to myself, like, okay, I'm about to spend a bunch of money, start my own business, and kind of go out on a limb here and be like, all right, I'm doing this on my own. I hope I don't fuck it all up and fall on my face. Yeah. Because this is not a time to make bad financial decisions. And thankfully, with, like you were saying, FaceTime and all of this other stuff Mm technology-wise, I was able to keep myself working and start all of this new stuff. And now for you guys getting the record out for real and for me getting back on the radio in a, in a major way with the podcast and everything, it's like, do you feel like the day that the record came out that you actually were able to take a deep breath for once? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was almost like an emotional moment, you know, it's just when something's taken away from you, that I guess in ways we've all taken for granted, right? I mean, we never thought the, the music business or radio would be taken away from us the way that it was during this pandemic, you know? So uh, to have it, when it came back and the album was released, I mean, there was a sense, and I'm sure it'll be more emotional when you're finally on stage again and you realize kind of, it just strips you to the core, right? And it makes you, reminds you of why you really got into this in the first place. And yeah, they can take away the money or the fame or whatever it is, but to take away the fans and just the pure opportunity to play and make music in front of people was, was, was a shattering blow. And just like you, and you know, it's interesting though, to see how people reinvent themselves. And now it's almost like, I can't wait to be in the position you are. You've almost made yourself stronger than you were pre COVID. You know, it's like, wow, I can do this now on podcast. You're not, it's almost like we're not afraid anymore of that fear, which was like, what am I going to do after radio? Like, what am I going to do? Or what am I going to do when, you know, the band's done. Now it's like, well, the band's been done for a year, you know, technically, you know, I haven't seen the band members. We haven't been in any rehearsals, you know, and for a lot of bands, there's going to be a lot of changes. I mean, people, pe- bands are about people's lives, human beings, you know, and people's lives have all changed. So getting back into tours, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, where the dynamics go and, and how people's goals have changed and or evolved. So it's just, it's again, you know, it's a, it's awesome that the fans have been following us every way. The cool, the, I guess the security and all that is we've all been going through it. So it's not like it's just uh, someone's or we're on alone on this island. We're all kind of dealing with it together. And I think that the fans are smarter than ever these days because of these cool things like podcasts and opportunity to to hear your favorite band's perspectives rather than just hearing the music. You get more of a human element to it, which I think fans understand and they're more compassionate to just to just, yeah, that sucks. But you know what? Kudos to you guys for keeping it going. Kudos to you for putting the podcast in and not letting someone else that said, you know, AF is done to say they can say that's done, but they can't say ever Mr. Scary's done. You say when you're done, you know, and I think that's rad. And you built that fan base for so long as we have that it's like, if we just keep giving content that's honest, real true, that's what 
a modern day rock star is, right? It's just being honest to uh, your expression, whether it's musical or, or it's just vocal that we're doing now, sharing these obstacles and these, these triumphs together. And um, I think that, you know, going forward, I think there's going to be more demand for this now. It's not just the phone call interview that we call in. It's like, a, hey, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm dripping sweat right after the show and we're having the FaceTime right there. How was the show? Hold on, let me get a breath. Can I get some water? <laughs> you know, they want to see, they want to see, uh, it, they want to see your life. They want to get into it, whether it's a, a band member or a band or whether it's you, a personality that's that's been on the air for longer than we've all been bands. You know, you've been paving your way in a totally different way and direction that fans are just as, just as curious and excited to learn about as they might be ours or any other band. So it's uh it's really cool to see kind of how this social media kind of growth has happened since, you know, COVID and it'll be interesting to see post COVID how it, where it goes moving forward. One of the things that I think everyone has learned over the last year and a half has been your relationship with whoever, right? Romantic relationships, band relationships, family relationships. They either got way worse or they are now strong as hell. And when you talk about band dynamics and getting back out on the road, or you talk about your relationship with your spouse or your kids or your family getting locked with them or not being able to see them when you used to be able to see them all the time. I mean, if your marriage right now made it through COVID, you're never getting divorced. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Or good you're point. realizing, I hate this person. Call the divorce attorney. I never want to see your ugly yeah. face again. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, in the early process of COVID, I remember the family being like, when are you going on tour again? You know, so it took a minute to kind of all, and again, like for at least I can speak for myself. I mean, I think we were normally home, but two weeks at a time, we never usually get more than two weeks off. So, you know, it's, it's very easy to blow any kind of negativity or awkwardness, you know, away. Cause I'll oh, just, we'll take care of it when we get back or next time next door. And uh, you know, now it was like, Whoa, no, we're here. Two months turned into three, turned into a year. So it was interesting. Like I agree with you, you know, like now that we've gone through, I think those, those relationships that have made it through are a lot stronger. And I think that, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting now going forward you know, again, how that dynamic either either continues to grow or do we fall back into some of the old habits that we had before COVID? And it's, it, we have a chance too to keep the good stuff, right? Like for me, right. now that yeah. I built my own studio and I'm in charge of like my own work environment, I got to tell you, spending three hours in the car every day fighting Boston traffic, I don't miss that. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. You and know, you don't need, to, you don't have to do that now, you know? Right. And it's like, what would you do with three more hours in your day? Like, you, that's like winning the lottery, yeah. right? It is. It is. It really is. Absolutely. You know, and sometimes those drives commutes are early in the morning as well. And now you can kind of, you know, direct your own schedule, you know, and, and like you said, that fear of not having to worry about spending the money now on, on, a, on a studio in house. I mean, you already did that. You know what I mean? So you don't have to be so totally torn to the studio in your position, you know, you can kind of be more mobile and, you know, and like you said too, I mean, even being on site, you've got the equipment now to be on site to do interviews. If you want to go to a show or a festival and, and bring the podcast to the, 
to the to, to the show, so to speak. So, I mean, there's just so many more outlets you have from your perspective and and even from a band perspective, too. You know, I mean, we got the, you know, the element to just take that live stream. I mean, I remember before pandemic, too, I had no idea how to do any of these FaceTimes. You know, I remember the first couple of interviews, it was, it was all hacked up. I was like, am I doing this right? The audio wouldn't work or the, you know, the phones flip. So it's it, it's exciting now, too, to show, you know, the fans that more intimate um perspective of just what you're going through in everyday life. And, and I think that's more entertaining. I mean, you think about where YouTube's going and where the social media aspects going from a TV perspective since COVID, all I do is watch YouTube. I don't even watch, I don't even watch TV. You know, I mean, YouTube, I can watch whatever I want. So as a band, as, 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 as for you as well, I mean, with your podcast, you can create your own channel, you know, and basically, you know, put out whatever you want on your channel, 24 seven, you know, 365 a year, you know, you can do your own thing. And of course our channel, it can be all pop evil 24 seven, you know, and, and, and you can, again, give your fan base an outlet to live in your space as long as they'd like to. So it's, it's very cool. You know, definitely interesting. One of the things that I started last year, which is exactly what we're talking about was I started going live on Facebook in March and I have a room in my house that I call the war room, which has got all my military stuff in it. And that's where the bar is. So I started going live on Facebook and it turned into a show. We're 135 episodes in now. Wow. And it went wow. from a nightly thing live on my cell phone to a weekly produced video show with logos. You can come on via Skype if you want to come on. Absolutely, yeah. And, and what I'm realizing, because I think we've been in the middle of like craziness, right? It, whether it be the yeah. political stuff, the world stuff, the COVID stuff, whatever. But mm-hmm. what I'm realizing is that in that 135 episodes of Cocktails in the War Room, I've documented an incredibly historical time in my life. A time that kids and grandkids are going to learn about in school. We, We literally just lived through a global pandemic, which seems like a stupid thing to say out loud because duh, everybody knows. But when you really stop and think about, they're going to be talking about this for a hundred years. Yeah. And we've had the ability with technology to document what that day-to-day life was like. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy when you think about it from that perspective, you know, a hundred years ago when our last pandemic supposedly happened, there was just books and, 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 you know, words that were typed and and printed and saved. Now you get those visual accounts from all aspects, you know, and all over the world, you get the perspective. So if you want someone in, in Boston or someone here in Detroit was trying to figure out what it was like in their city and their community, what were they dealing with? Well, there you go. I mean, it can be as specific as that. So it's uh, it's very interesting, like you said. It's it's we're do- we're, we're documenting it, no doubt about it. Yeah, it's totally crazy. Well, I yeah. want to I want to go back because, you know, you just released a record. The world's mm-hmm. is opening. Masks are yeah. coming off. Vaccines. You know, I I my five G is amazing. Yeah. I got vaccinated. Now I don't have Wi Fi problems anymore. I love it. I Everything love it. is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now we're actually able to like start going to concerts again, start getting together again, start doing things in person again. And we're all coming out of this coma, really, where we've had nothing to do but sit around and think about what we miss the most. And all of us got into music when we were kids because it's something that we just loved. And so I want to go back to when you were younger 
And okay. what what was it that brought you to music? Was it your parents, older siblings? Like, do you remember what it was that made you go, oh my God, this is, there's this is awesome. There's different moments, right? It's like chapters. You know, I mean, I think back in my earliest tape, I mean, the people laugh, but it's just my true story. I remember, you know, uh, my first tape, I remember going to like JC Penney's and I just, I got that Huey Lewis tape or something like that. And then my dad or mom got it. And I, I of course took it cause it was a tape. I was drawn to the, not even so much the band as much as it was a cassette tape music came out of this tape. I remember taking my fingers and winding through the tape and being fascinated. And then it was a James Wilder CD. Remember that nobody going to break my stride or tape. I remember that tape. I was real little, you know, and then, of course, as I got a little older, it changed in the first CD. So my first CD, literally, it was two of them, I remember, and it was total blend of maybe where Poppy was. It was the Guns N' Roses. Like, again, I was real little. Uh, the Guns N' Roses CD, I remember smelling it, that I still do to this day. When we get, and then it was that. It has that smell. That, yeah, it has that smell, right? So it was the Guns N' Roses CD in one hand, and it was Do the Bartman when the Simpsons first dropped. So, I mean, I was very much a kid. You know, I still love Bart Simpson back in the day. And I remember looking at the artwork of Guns N' Roses, more so the Guns N' Roses album affected me. I don't remember anything about the Simpsons one. But I remember um, opening up the artwork, and the girl's got her panties down to her ankles, and you're like, good God, this is what have it. And, of course, you know, we're young boys Scandal. looking at Playboy probably then. You know, probably, you know, fascinated being a young boy. But um, I remember being just mesmerized by the whole vibe of a CD. Like you could look at the artwork, you could get the vibe. Obviously, the Guns N' Roses logo with the, the, the skeletons was just everything as well as the music. I remember, again, but at those days, I still wanted to play for the Lakers or the Pistons. I, I had no no dreams about playing uh, playing instruments full time. I couldn't play. I was just I was just a kid, you know. And then, of course, as the 90s started to roll in, I wanted um uh, the, the Seattle thing, you know, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, all those bands where I was, again, I was now a young adult, so I could play the guitar. I was starting to dive in. I mean, someone like Eddie Vedder just really changed my life because because he could be heavy at times, and then he could still strip it down, MTV unplugged, and then make you cry your eyes out. I mean, it just, uh, he had melody, he could sing. I remember being like, uh, wow, like, I want to do that. And then again, we, I grew up on the Great Lakes, so Michigan played a big, big role in probably, you know, who I ended up becoming as a musician. You know, it was always the yin and yang. We were a test market in Michigan. So you always got a little bit of this, then a little bit of that. You know, as soon as you always wanted, thought you were going to go all the way in on this, well, then something else would come up. And, you know, and then, of course, the Kid Rock and Eminem thing very much was big where we grow up and the pride that they had for Michigan. And I always say, you know, to my Michigan brothers and sisters that I want all I wanted my whole life was to get the hell out of Michigan. And now all I want to do is get back, you know, so it's um, it's interesting. But I think that, you know, as I started to really play in a band, you know, I would, um, you know, the, the, the mix between, you know, metal rock and alt was always in Michigan. And again, we never had no money. So growing up, every band, every kind of band was going they're coming to Michigan and we had nothing else to do because, again, it's cold. You're just like much like in Boston, you know, so. Uh, you know, when shows came, we always had the hookup because we had our own band. So we would go watch everything. Eve Six, I remember Splendor coming in, a lot of these alt bands that were big on the radio at the time. You know, we had a big alt rock station here in Grand Rapids. And and then, of course, we had a metal station. So, of course, we'd be in there, you know, everything from Pantera to, uh, to um, man, you had Seven Dust even would come through. We'd, we'd party with those guys, you know. So it was, so it was uh, again, the list goes on. And then, of course, even Country Acts, we'd go see. So, again, we were always, it wasn't so much about, what I liked, it was like, wow, like what's bringing all these people together to sing 
for four minutes, this one or two songs that these people like, what was, what was moving these people to come together for these moments. And that I remember always really resonating with me about just kind of understanding about how to write a hook and how to write, you know, things that make, I always call them like what makes grandma sing, you know, and I, I'll never forget it too. I was at a wedding, uh, probably late nineties and my, my grandma was at it and they were playing Pantera, you know, dead, dead, and it respect you talking to me and grandma's in there like aggressive about it. Are you talking to me? I'm like all in my face about it. And I'm like, my grandma's this cute little white Canadian girl, you know, she just, just not even a care on the world. And she's like hardcore, like fill on me in my face, you know? And I was like, wow, like, like, wow, are you like Pantera? And she's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, that's who sings it. And she's just like, I could care less. I just love the song. And I thought that was interesting how, you know, it's like what moves people from all different walks of life, age, age barrier, um, you know, male, female, gender, it doesn't matter what, what, what our differences are. They just come together because they understand the language of music and and, and they, they want to embrace it. And I just thought that really resonated. It's just, I've never forgotten it. Like it my, my grandma, bless her. She just recently passed, oh, but, um, you sorry. know, just, she's just, thank you. Thank you. But I, you know, I was home. I was home for it. I didn't get to see her, but you know, we were, we were off, but, um, you know, it's just kind of those, again, the human elements. I think as you get older, you realize that you're not going to make everyone happy. Not everyone's going to like your podcast. Not everyone's going to like your band, but the people that do, right. It's that human element, the people that care, like that's what you're really trying to do is make that difference in somebody's life, especially now since COVID's here. It's like, if you can bring some kind of happiness when there's so much tension, like you just feel it sometimes when you're out and about and wearing your mask around town or now we get to take them off. You still feel the tension that sometimes this exists in cities and towns. It's just like, man, I just want, I just want love, man. You got a choice. I think in life, you can either choose to, to, to help the issues and try to put some positivity out there, or you can add to the problem, man. It's your choice. And, you know, I see, I, I, I obviously choose a lot. You clearly do as well. And when you get to that point in your life that you just want to leave your mark and that mark is just some kind of positivity, man. I mean, our time's running out, right? Every day is one more day to going back to where we all came from. So, you know, it is what it is. And well, we're all learning tomorrow's not yeah. promised right? 100%. And that everything 100%. we love, especially for all of us in the rock community, you know, it's something that comes up on the podcast over and over again, mm -hmm. how inclusive, as crazy as the world is, it's exactly what you're mm -hmm. talking about with your grandma singing Pantera. Like the yeah. rock community is this community where it's the freaks, it's the land of misfit toys. And we go to that church, that concert where mm -hmm. none of it matters when you go inside. And we're now this weird, tattooed, freaky example to the rest of the world about acceptance and understanding and how if you just love rock music, like, I don't care what you're wearing. I don't, I just want to argue with you about guitar solos and stuff. Like, that's the extent of the conflict I'm looking for with you. And the yeah. world could use a little more of that. Yeah, you put, you say it. You said it very well. I've not heard it put like that before, but you're you're exactly right. It's like the land of misfit toys. Like we're all kind of flawed in our brilliant kind of way. You know, that's all kind of led us here. You know, and like you said, when we go to that temple or that church, which is a concert, it gives us that identity again. It gives us that empowering that we need to give us that feel to fight through the rest of the world and those situations that we don't feel like we always fit in. At. And you're exactly right. I mean, I, I can totally relate. And it doesn't matter about necessarily where you come from or what your past is, it's about a feeling that you have and then why you relate to this music that we all love, which is rock or metal, you know, and uh, it's very interesting and, and, and you're right. And then have that taken away from us. It's uh, you almost feel like it's vindicated with concerts on the horizon that we, you know, I'm not going to get excited till I'm actually on stage singing, but you know, it, it, 
they're booked, shows are booked. So I got to be uh, com- confident that, uh, you know, things are going to go as planned. But um, yeah, it's very cool. I was given the gift of the love of music from my parents, right? That I just, I remember music always being in the house and my dad Mm -hmm. loved bands with horn sections and my mom gave me, you know, probably the most precious gift that I've probably ever received in my life, which is the Beatles to me, which built the foundation of everything that I love about music. And do you... Do you always remember music being on when you were a kid in the house? Was that the same for you? Yeah, in, in some ways, you know, but my dad and mom weren't, you know, my dad was from India and my mom was from Canada. So a lot of times my dad was working during the days. I mean, there were moments when, you know, I can remember some shows. I remember a very vivid show, you know, and, and, and again, my parents were first generation in this country. So they didn't have that history that they did with I credit though, even though there was music in the house, but I credit it's an issue. You know, I mean, like everywhere I would go with the people I was around, it was always music around. And I think the Great Lakes had a big part to do with that because every time we'd show up at a bonfire, we were always on the lake and someone had an acoustic guitar. So it would always be like, well, you play your song. Great. You've played it. Let me play a couple. So we'd always, in a healthy, fun way, we'd always try to one up each other, you know, and whether it was the guys or girls, everyone would be playing and singing, you know, and around that campfire, which is again, why you get that acoustic or that ballad presence in pop evil. Cause it just was always in my, it was always in my um, childhood and my youth, you know? So I think Michigan was, was even more of an influence to me than even my family. Yeah, the family, we had it around and it was there, but. And Indian I don't culture is ever, built yeah. on music. I mean, it's for sure. It's everywhere no, it was in all, Indian culture. It, it was always American music though, t- to be honest. Like my dad, when he came over for, to the States, it was, he just, you know, converted straight Western styles. I mean, he didn't, he didn't push any of that stuff on us, you know, and I, I think I'm more into the Indian sounds now, like the sitar I've been trying, you know, and to dive into some of that more on possible future albums and to dive into some of those sounds to give a little bit of that heritage influence possibly. But um, no, he was always, it was always main stuff like in, in journey, you know, Boston, some, a lot of that old school classic stuff that was very sing-along, you know, probably where a lot of the melody comes from me. We were always singing and my dad wasn't necessarily a good singer or my mom, but they'd always just, they'd always try. And then when I got older and could sing, they'd always be like, oh, let me sing. It'll be great. So of course I was young. I'd sing my, sing my ears off back in the day. But um, I think Michigan though had a, had a very strong influence when the band started to shape. And I knew I wanted to do this more like, you know, full time. Well, you and I have that shared experience that we both come from places that you know where we come from because we tell you in the first five minutes of meeting you yeah. that, yeah. that yeah. you know, Detroit, Chicago, New York, Boston, yeah. there are these cities in these regions of the country that that aren't just a place where you're from. They're in your soul and in your DNA and they shape who you are as a person. 100%. Yeah. And Absolutely. And, and, you know, Detroit, I mean, the music, the famous music that's come out of that city, it's like, it's incredible. I mean, it, it, it invented a lot of rock and roll. Like when you dig through the, 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 the dig, the dinosaur dig of rock and roll and yeah. you get to the fossils, like that's, yeah. those are the fossils, man. It, it is. I mean, it just, again, from, and again, I grew up on the West side of the state. So we're about three hours from Detroit, but all the early demos, all the old records, we all did in Detroit. So we'd have to basically move to Detroit and do all the demos. And because there was just nothing on the West side that was going to get us 
the traction we needed. So again, there was that constant battle. Like if, if you talk to the rest of the world, you'll say you're from Detroit. But if you talk to a Michigander, you say you're from the West side because they understand there's that, there's that rivalry, right? It's the West and East coast in, in Detroit or in Michigan. So, you know, it, 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 it is man. And it's, it's that pride that's kind of instilled. I think it's that blue collar mentality that we work a little harder than you. And you're going to say you work a little harder than us. It's just kind of that, that playful back and forth banter that kind of gives you your identity and you're constantly trying to one up the next and, and to, uh, and that's was our families. You know, I think about my brothers, I think about my, my cousins and, 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 you know, the, the, the family members that were around, we were constantly trying to outdo each other in, 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 in a playful healthy way, you know, and they were always so supportive of all of us, but, but, and, and I think about even our family aspect that's involved in the, in the band, you know, our, our families have always been very supportive, you know, always don't miss any shows if they can make it and still to this day, very supportive. And I think that's, that's an important, you know, that's an important element to have when you think about like that Detroit rock sound or that, that, that Midwest kind of pride. There's a lot of family roots that connected to that. When you, make the decision as a child of first generation immigrants to yep. say, I think I'm going to pursue this music thing. Please tell me you got a doctor or a lawyer as a brother to took the, that took the pressure off of you so that your parents didn't have a heart attack. I do. I do have a brother that's a lawyer for sure, but yeah. he was younger. So. <laughs> and he's part manager of the band too. But I, um, he, uh, he was young at the time. He wasn't a lawyer at the time. That was not a fun conversation. You know, it was not fun. You know, I remember, I remember mom's giving me a talk and I'm real close with my mom, you know, and she was like, how long are you going to do this? She gave me that talk. Not a fun talk to have. Do you have mom, a backup you know, plan? Can you go yeah, to college that kind of thing, first? You know? And I was like, what's the backup plan? What am I going to play be a weekend warrior? What's wrong with that, man? Like I'll go play Thursday through Sunday and, you know, get some free drinks and, and get to do what I love, play some music, make some records on the side. And, you know, I was always okay with that. Like we were never really, and I think it shows even for a pop people's always been a little under the radar for years. Like we never really got into it to be famous and money and all that stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's great. And we, we were definitely blessed for the success we've had, but we just wanted to play, man. Like we didn't care about any of that stuff. Like we, we all had our houses when we were young, we all lived by the lake. We all grew up in Michigan. Like we are good. Like we didn't care about any of that stuff. So it was like, as long as we got to play. And I remember, I remember when we got the, the call that we were going to go full time and do music for a living we were so ecstatic that we just had like, I think a hundred or 150 shows that year. We were just like, dude, we have 150 shows. But of course our family's like, but you don't got to work. We're like, what are you talking about? We got to work. That's fine. But we have 150 shows. That's insane. You know? So we were just so excited to play, man. And to this day, you know, and of course COVID stripping it all from us. Like I'm just, and I can, I can only speak for myself, I guess, but I just can't, I can't wait to get back out and just, just do what I love. And, and I think COVID was a nice reminder that, you know, this business is tough and it's challenging and you're constantly trying to, you know, outdo yourself, your last record, such a business about the next, what's next, what, what do you got, what, what, what are you going to do now? So it was awesome to just re forget about all that and just know that, man, dude, it all comes back to what you do on stage. You know, I mean, you can make all these great hits and all this radio stuff in the studio or, or songs in the studio get played on the radio, but it's all prove you, you prove it live on stage every night, you know, and you think about some of the great shows I've been, it's like those bands that I didn't even know I liked, but when you see them live, you're like, Oh my God, that was awesome. And you go buy and download every record. You're like, ah, oh. and, and we do that sometimes on tour. You know what I mean? You'll be on tour with these bands and you'll be like, 
the most recent one, I remember being on tour with Cheap Trick and Poison, you know, there in 2018 or whatever year it was a few years back now. And I remember hearing all these songs on stage every night going, oh, my God, I forgot about that song. I love that song. And then, of course, you know, they're up on watching us on stage and, and they're getting into our music. It's just it's such a it's almost like sixth grade camp, man. When we go to camp in high school and you meet all these friends, it's like, it, it's a great time to kind of get back on stage and tour to, to say, Hey, to your comrades and, and, and your fellow brethren to be like, man, dude, you're going through this. We're going through this. Wow. Let's share a moment together and, and enjoy each other's music. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's definitely the most important thing. It's just being up on stage playing. I had Rick Nielsen from cheap trick on the podcast yeah. and, and I had him on video so that I could see him while we were talking and I was like, holy fucking shit, that's Rick Nielsen yeah. from Cheap Trick. Nicest guy, nicest guy. Nicest guy, but let me tell you, when it yeah. comes to name dropping, that guy can drop the big names. Oh, he's he's done it all. No I doubt. mean, no done doubt. it all. And it's just, yeah. you just sit there and you're like, no, tell me, tell me more about the Beatles, please. Yeah, like, yeah. his stories, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. But and it's then, crazy. And he he sat on stage every night, every show, watched every little bit of our set. And then, of course, he'd be in our dressing room right after. I mean, just hanging like he was still 18. Just such a real like he just he he's just one of those guys you hope to be because he lives it, breathes it, sleeps it. He is true by every definition of a rock star that yep. you would ever. I mean, I don't know why his face isn't even more. I mean, they again, they've been so underrated for years. Oh, Cheap Trick is that anymore. band that every they, musician they, they, just goes. They're, they're they're amazing, and they do. They're amazing, and and just the, the way they've stayed firm as people, like it's just wow. I mean, you would even if they weren't good, you'd still pull for them because they're just the best people on the planet. But of course, then you see them on stage and you're blown away. It's just, yeah. it was just awesome. And even Poison, it was great to see them back together. Uh, you know, and they were all getting along. And and it's, I think that's important for the youth because there's a lot of kids growing up in today's world that think playing the guitar is pressing some buttons on their smartphone. You know, so I think it's so important for for kids that next generation to not be afraid to, you know, like rock or to think that it's just some flawed genre on a shelf somewhere. You know, I think that's well, so important. It's coming back. Sure. Sure. But I'm talking about the youth that are yeah. so like, they want stuff that's just so quick. Right. right. You know, all they got to do is play the game. They press a button. It's done. Hey, let's make a song. That press they two don't want to sit down and, and learn done. to play it and put the time. Correct. In. Yeah. Correct. You know, there's something about the discipline that's like, sitting in your parents' garage or in your parents' basement with a six string and a bass and a friend with on a bass, a friend on the drums and, you know, dreaming about taking on the world, you know, and then starting from nothing and becoming something. I just think I'm a big, again, that's how our band broke. So I'm a big fan of that American dream, which is just, you know, very much like the Beatles did in the UK. It's just, just starting with your buddies and just, just taking over and, and, and living the dream, you know? And I think that, that's what I try to explain to the kids that I see certainly that are in my life to just be like, look, man, I, I get it. I get it. You don't want to go to practice and you don't want to learn how to play the guitar, but it's something that you'll give yourself, you know, very much like golf, right? You can play golf with grandpa. You can play golf with, with, with your buddies and you can play it throughout your life, like basketball, football. You're not going to play that stuff at some point in your life. Guitar, you can play the guitar for the rest of your life. So I always try to, you know, to, to show the importance of just instruments and then why to stay you know, playing these, these things and starting bands or staying in band in school and, and uh, just getting the most. I mean, it te teaches you a lot about discipline and, and how to work for something. Can I ask you about some of those established bands that you guys have played with? Kevin Martin from yeah. Candlebox was on the, was on the podcast. 
And we were talking about Neil Peart from Rush because when I met yeah. Kevin, they were touring with yeah. Rush in like the early 90s. Yeah. And he told me this amazing story about how Neil Peart would stand on the side of the stage when Candlebox's first record came out. And then when they got off stage, Neil would break down the set for him and talk to him about ordering the songs and like, and how he thought they could improve based on yeah. what he saw. So when Pop Evil is touring with a cheap trick or a poison, bands that have been around the block, not only yeah. are you hanging around, but are you learning real experience skills from these bands that have been to 100%. the top of the mountaintop? And can you give me some of those examples? Yeah, 100%. I mean, and you're, they're also leading by example. You know, I mean, you, you notice all of them, none of them drink. They all eat healthy. They don't, they don't, uh, they're, they're not, there's a reason why they've been around for 30 plus years, you know, and, and, and I've always taken notice in that, that they didn't start the out that way though. Don't give them no, too it much did, credit. It didn't, it didn't start out that way for us either. You know what <laughs> I mean? But it's interesting as you move forward and progress in your career, that the health is, is a big part of it. You know, I mean, we all are getting older every day, you know, we're here and, and your body, the longer you've been around, as a touring musician, especially from a vocal standpoint, your vocal is going to break down. It just is what it is. You know, I mean, even the greats, their voice, uh, my voice will eventually be gone, you know, and that's, that's a fear. You and can get into radio. You can crazy. have a shitty voice like mine and make a living. Don't you worry about well, it, Lee. <laughs> well, you want to sound the best for everyone. Oh, you know, kidding. I mean, it's, it's, there's always someone hearing you for the first time. And, yeah. And it's, 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 it's just, it's refreshing to hear that, that some of their, their work ethics and whether they're not talking to you about it either, you see, you watch. And then again, you watch how they are with their fans. You know, you were watching, and again, a band of our size, you're watching these bands and you're watching the little things, right? You're watching, okay, how are they acting around their fans and meet greets? Like a band that big, or do they even care? Do you know what I mean? Are they still taking the time for every last one? Or are they just in and out? You know what I mean? And all these professionals, and that's what they are. They do the right things and they do the right little things, not just for their fans, not just for their, uh, for their friends. They do it for the, the people that are behind the scenes that the fans are not see. The way they take care of their crew, their lighting teams, the people that are setting up the stages, the people that are there, you know, at six in the morning eating the donuts when they're not even there yet till 8 p.m. I mean, you know, they're taking care. They're, they're, they're giving high fives. They're, they're, they're giving shout outs. They're acknowledging the people that are doing those things that allow them to be the rock stars, even at 30 years plus, you know, and I think that that's things you pick up that they don't even have to tell us. You just watch and you see just how pro you see how they, 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 they get a system. And whether it's just that sheet, you see, I know you've been to a lot of shows in your day, but you see the, the printouts and the order of how the day's going to go out. They sheet, follow that yeah. stuff to the day sheet. You, you wake up on the bus, the you know where you are. Yeah, they know where you are, you know? And I think those day sheets are so important that again, fans don't always realize, but you know, when you're living on a bus and you get up that day, you don't know what you're going or what you're doing. Those day sheets are, are, are literally, they're everything. And, you know, you have a choice. Again, you can follow them and your day will go smooth or you can try to like go against that. And you have a long day or a long tour ready. But again, the, those guys are straight pros. They don't have to follow. They can technically do what they want to do, but they still they still listen. They, they run the protocol. They do everything the right way. And then, of course, the discussions, like I said, even them all hanging in our dressing rooms, they don't need to do that. They don't need to come and care about. I mean, I, I had some good stuff, I think, about with Rob Helford. I mean, we toured with them in 2010. And I remember uh, this would have been maybe 2014. Uh, and, and we played with Judas Priest. I think it was another day. So this is three or four years past. And again, 
Rob Halford wouldn't have to watch Pop Evil again if he didn't want to. And, you know, he was certainly, they were so kind to us that first tour. But when we toured with them in 2010, we were baby band. So, you know, I, who knows if he, I wouldn't have thought he would have even remembered. But there he was, side stage. And I look side stage and he's pointing at me. And then when he got done, I, he, he said something to me over the lines. He goes, I absolutely love Trenches. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow, he knew one of the songs, you know? And, and, uh, and then again, I think I saw him at some award show. And he cut through the people and he gave me a big hug. And I'm just, just like, dude, that's real. That's real thing. And, you know, and, you know, it, it just reminds you as you move forward to, to just always be kind because you just don't know when it's, you know, that band's, you know, that band's stepping stone in the protocol of, of the growth of this, this whole rock and roll scheme. You know, I mean, every band that's small today has the potential to be big tomorrow and you just don't know. And the way that they, those are the biggest of bands that you could ever ask for. And the way they treated us is it's a reminder that, try to try to always treat those uh those bands on the come up and those bands ahead of you to, to just be kind man it's such a small like you said community we're all going with the same things through the same things we're all playing the same shows at some point sooner or later you play with every band because uh, we're all trying to do the same thing and that's entertain these fans that are there to watch us and people that are spending that hard-earned hard-earned money and now more importantly that hard-earned time time is everything now you know and so you know we want to give those people an opportunity to smile and get away from that chaotic things that that are in their life man and give them a little bit of a release and you know that's our job and those pros understand that well it's i think it's one of the things when you go back and talk about the tight-knit rock community and the loyalty of the fans i think rock and country there's a longevity of career that's possible in rock i mean you look at the stones they're still doing it man like that the bands realize, wow, we could keep doing this if we're healthy. The fans yeah. are still going to come and see us if we treat them right. Whereas with yeah. pop and some other genres of music, there is no loyalty and longevity of career. And that's what is another thing that makes rock so special is that once they love you, they love you forever. Yeah. I mean, if you treat them right. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, I mean, rock the cool thing for me with rock is, is you grow up in front of your fans, you know, and, and you, you, the, all the, you know, the, the peaks and valleys, the trials, tribulations, the, the good songs, the bad songs. I mean, the fans definitely let you know about it, things they don't <laughs> like, but they also, they also are forgiving to just be like, you know, as long as you, like you said, you treat them right or you don't forget them and you still give them music. Like, I think that's the cool duality with this new album that, that at least we've been considering is like the true versatility of this album is, the balance between old school pop evil and new school pop evil, where the band's going and growing, you know, and we've had band member changes. I mean, let's be real. Uh, bands nowadays have to change. Like people, it's not like it was 20, 30 years ago where you could have two big albums and, you know, take three or four years off. I mean, it's just, that doesn't exist anymore. So what happens in the meantime is life happens. People's lives change and evolve over time. So it's kind of much like a sport team. You know I mean? Even Tom Brady had to go to a different team to Don't keep talk about it, Lee. You know, I, hey, I get it. it I, I get it. I get it. I get it. God, I know. I, I wasn't have happy to bring about it up. It I wasn't happy about it either. God. But I knew it was a reference that you would understand. Jesus, <laughs> Lee, come on. I get it. I get it. I know. Uh, do you just... know what that was like in Boston through the lockdown to have to oh, live through God. that shit? Come I can on. only imagine. I can only imagine. Oh. I can, and you can You didn't think I was going to get at least asking you what you thought about that. And Gronk too. God, double, double and slap Antonio in the face. Brown, and then a Super Bowl. Like, 
it's, it's, this is why we drink. How, but how can you even be mad at him, right? No, it's, it's like, the Patriot the, South. That's why we all look at it. We just call it the Patriot South. The Buccaneers, yeah. they're just the Patriot yeah. South. It's like that's all. We got. That's, that's all, all it we is. Got. You're welcome for got. having our team down there. Yeah, there you go. There, okay, well, I'm a Lions fan, so I, you have you guys are both in a better position than me. So. <laughs> but that's the thing about Detroit, though. Yeah. The same thing with yeah. Boston. You grew up in yeah. Boston. Look, when I was a kid. Yeah. Being a Boston yep. sports fan, unless you were, you know, in my era, like a, a Larry Bird Celtics era, yeah. the Sox lost, the Buckner era, the yep. the the squish the fish. Yep. You took your lumps, man. We, yeah, eighty six sure Super Bowl sure against William the Refrigerator, goddamn Perry in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember that Super Bowl. Yeah, so do that I. I was crazy. traumatized <laughs> for years. That's why I don't care about shoving all the rings up everybody's yeah. asses now. Because being a sports you. fan was hard for a long time here. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. Well, look, you guys got, you guys can make some moves this offseason. I mean, Patriots could be back a bit There's here. a lot. There's a lot going on. There's, yeah. it's very interesting. And people are like, oh, now Tom Brady's going to know the Patriots fan anymore. Now, I've been a Patriots fan since I was born. Yeah. I'll be Patriots a Patriots fan, fan sure. until the day I die. Same thing with Gotta the Sox, be. the B's and the C's. It's like, yeah. you grow up in your town. Yeah. They're your teams. Forever. You know, there's certain there's there's certain cities that you go to because obviously I'm a mission boy. So, you know, and I'm not just saying this, but you, there's there's two cities that stand out that there's just no three, three. They're, they're so special about their teams. Obviously, Boston, you can it's again, you 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 all you have to do is visit there and there's a pride there, not just for one team, but just for their sports. Yeah. It's just it's different, you know. Me, I don't think it's quite the same to me as New York. There's just New York has so much involved. But then the next one is Green Bay. Like that is insane. Very much like Boston. There's a lot of pride. And then, of course, lastly, Seattle. It's just those three cities. It's just it's hard not to get caught up. Like there's Chicago. Maybe maybe I don't I don't see Chicago as much just because I grew up closer to there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But but to me, you know, those three to me, again, Maybe because, again, they are so far away and I was never in Boston. I was never in Seattle yeah. or Green Bay growing up. So I just it's hard not to be in those cities and not get caught up in the excitement that is, you know, the yeah. sport franchise. And I mean, it's I still got to come go to here Fenway, when man. you're not a fan, man, because yeah. like, ask Morgan from Seven Dust, the diehard Yankees fan, what it's like when he comes here. Oh, that's right. He was that's on right. the He's podcast and we talked about some early stories because they recorded the home record here. And I okay. took him to Fenway yeah. to a game. And he, you got to take, I'm dying to go. We got to go to one. You got to go to my first. Anytime. I took Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach to his first game. Uh, I took Brent Smith from Shinedown to his first game. You're invited anytime you want, man. Absolutely. I got to be on the, I got to go with you. I have to go with the true diehard. Yes. We got to do it. We'll be singing Neil Diamond, passing hot dogs around. Yes. Oh my gosh. I would love it. I would love it. I would love it. I'm not going to bet you though. I, I took Zach Wild to a game and we made a bet about yeah. the outcome of a Sox Yankees game. And my Sox yeah. let me down, man. And he made me go on stage oh. at Ozfest in a Yankees jersey. And I still. Oh, no. Dude. <laughs> I still. I can't believe you made that bet. I, I can't believe you made that bet. I thought the Sox were going to have my back, man. <laughs> I wanted to see Zach Wilde in a Red Sox jersey. I wanted to yeah, see that yeah. shit happen. And my Sox oh, let my me gosh. down. And even oh, my gosh. our own fans, I got yeah. out on that stage in that Yankees jersey. And people were like. Yeah. Fuck you! Like, <laughs> that's how it is. 
I, is that on YouTube? I'm going to search that on YouTube. Dude, I, I got a picture. I got a picture of me backstage at that year's Ozfest wearing a Jeter's yeah. jersey with with Geezer Butler standing next to me, Ooh. and I'm like. I get one picture with Geezer Butler and I got him wearing pinstripes. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, you wouldn't expect it to be any other way, right? No, but you know what? Like, those are the stories, though. The same thing with Morgan. We were yeah. laughing. Yeah. He wore a Yankees yeah. hat to Fenway and people knew he was Morgan Rose from Seven Dust and they were <sighs> screaming at him and swearing at him. One guy wow. yells down the stairs, hey, Yankees fan, get up here so I can fuck you in the ass. And Morgan just looked at me and I go, dude, I told you not to wear that shit, man. <laughs> but they make did he take best. it off or just keep it no, did he, he just wear it strong he wore it like an asshole of course he did I love, it's, it. I love it man that's but these Morgan. are all the stories yeah. that like yeah. you know when I look back mm. and all these conversations that I've been able to have on mm. the podcast and reconnecting with friends over the years and going back and yeah. talking about all these memories and these stupid things we've done it's like those are the memories that you laugh about and always remember years later. And it's like, 100%. that's what that's what it's all about. It's like, dude, I don't know yeah. about you. The first guy to spill a beer on me at a rock show, I'm just going to fucking hug the guy. I can't wait to get my toes <laughs> yeah. stepped on at a show. Yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. miss even the shitty stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the whole experience. I I yeah. miss the the crowding and the, the sweaty dude next yeah. to me and like, all of that yeah. stuff. And from my perspective, I miss the, 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 the piss floored stain smell of the, of the venue when you first walk in in the morning. Oh yeah. Cause I you miss, can't get that smell I, out no matter how much bleach you use. Yep. Yep. I miss Walmart at like, you know, 1130 just before it's going to close at 12, you know, and you're trying to just get some uh, groceries. I miss, I miss all that. I miss the truck stop shower. I miss well, all that good stuff, man. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask you, right? Because I was a roadie before I was in radio. So, so sure. truck stops at 3 a.m., I know that life. Mm -hmm. And some of those truck stops, for anybody that hasn't really spent a lot of time on the road, mm -hmm. these truck stops are not just the little convenience store at the gas station. These right. things are like mecca like you can solve any problem in your life at one of these truck stops. So the, those, what? those showers are nicer than hotels. Man. Oh yeah. So when yeah, you, they're real nice. what's, what's something you remember buying at a truck stop? Oh, everything, man. No it's, it, it's almost like, no, you know, what's crazy. Everyone's tight with their money. Usually, you know, with their, with their party M or whatever it is, their money that they get on the day. And then of course, when we get to the truck stop at night, They'll buy like, you know, those fluorescent, like, like, you know, if you, if you're like school crosswalk and you have those fluorescent, the like weird, vest. like vests on, oh, they'll buy the vest. They'll buy, um, they, they were buying masks before they were cool. They were buying all that stuff. I remember, of course, everyone will buy, everyone's buying all this unnecessary garbage candy, you know? And of course it's at speedways or these truck stops. It's all the experimental candy for some reason that like, it's just out brand new. It's like. Nestle Crunch mixed with whatchamacallit mixed with like Three Musketeers, but they, you have to try it. And it's like, got oh nerds God, in there just to be weird. Yes, yes. Yep. And then of course, everyone's in the front of the bus and everyone's sampling everyone's, what did you get? What did you get? You know, so, oh my gosh, we bought so many things. Or then there's a collection of those magnets, right? Because you're like, hey, well, we're in Montana, dude. I got. I need a Montana magnet on my fridge, God forbid. You know, so you're buying all kinds of stuff, man. Where's the weirdest place you ever heard your music? Oh, I don't, I'm trying to, uh, probably tons, but I remember this one spot. We were at Lake Minnetonka, Minnesota. And uh, 
I remember because again, and this is a true story. I, I, um, I don't necessarily listen to the pop evil stuff, you know, this older, I, I unless I hear it on the radio or in streaming or in the, you know, in, in a venue or an arena or something like that for a sporting event. But I remember being on a boat and, and they were playing uh hero was on. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this sounds a lot like one of our songs. Who just ripped, someone ripped us off. And they're, they're all looking at me. They're like, are you, are you fucking with us? Are you serious? And then I'm like, yeah, dude, this sounds like one of our songs. And I'm like, dude, this hero. I hadn't heard hero. I mean, that was our first song that we released, you know, back in 07. I, I never, so totally, <laughs> totally was hilarious. I, I had no idea it was our song. So they were, uh, the, the uh, they had, they had a nice kick out of that for the day to be like, we didn't even remember that. I'm like, no, I didn't. Did I you didn't. remember when you heard your song on the, on the radio the first time? I think so. It was kind of, um, I remember going in, we pitched the big, uh, radio station here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that we had, again, I wasn't trying to get played on the radio. I was just like, look, this is what a local band's doing in your town. If you need us for covers, we can do that. If you need us for, you know, national, um, you know, opening spots, we can do that as well. And uh, I remember my buddy called me and he's like, the, the, the PD, again, I had no idea what a PD was at the time. But he's like, you know, the program director is going to add your record. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And he goes, no, it's like permanently added to, we're going to add it to power. And I'm like, what's that mean? And I'm like, you're not just going to get it one a day. You're going to get it all day long. And I, so that was when we first knew and I'm like, oh my God, you know, and again, you would hear it. But I think in the early days when you heard it, you didn't really enjoy it. Right. Cause you're just like, okay. You know, and you're looking at your phone, you're like, is someone going to, did everyone hear that song? You know, did, who am I going to get calls from? Cause in those days we were the big fish in the small pond and, you know, we were all just freshly into college. So the whole city was all, you know, our friends and, and youth, you know? And, uh, you know, I remember, I remember one story. It's one of my favorite. I call it my Crossfade story. And, and I just heard from Crossfade just a couple of days ago. They called me to congratulate me on the record. And love that band to this day. One of my favorite bands, just some of the, you know, the stuff they did. I, I keep pestering. I'm like, when are you guys coming back on tour, man? I, I want to sing with y'all. And just, I remember them coming big fish in a small pond. And we pulled this little stunt on them. Because uh, in those days, it was a different time. Like, and we were friends with all the police. So we had like a pop evil house that was kind of like Project X. You know, I remember, and uh, I remember we just played a show with Crossfade and I said, look, why don't you come? It was a Muskegon they played. So an hour away, it was Grand Rapids. And I, and I go, why don't you come back to Grand Rapids? We got the band house, we'll hot tub pool party. Uh, there'll be like 300 people there. Why don't you guys come back and hang with us? And they're like, okay, that's fine. So they come back and hang and they're sitting up by the hot tub in these chairs, you know, Mitch and Ned and uh, Wes, I think. And, and then uh, next thing you know, um, the cops come. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to have to take you guys to jail. And, of course, we know the police guys are there. They're, they're our buddies, you know. So they come there. And I'm like, dude, I go, give CrossFit the worst. It sounds like a bachelorette so party. And I'm waiting for them to take up. their pants off. Yeah. Well, they come up and they're like, dude, look, this is crazy. There's a lot of minors you're drinking or whatever. And, and we're going to have to take you guys to jail tonight. And, of course, they get all freaked out and they're going nuts. And then they go, what are you drinking? And they grab the beer from one of them and then start drinking it you know <laughs> and they're like what the? and then of course the the, the the officers sit down put their legs in the hot tub and, uh, and of course we break the news that i've seen you know, pornos you're, you're that good. start like this lee well you know that I, I won't i won't i won't comment anymore <laughs> towards the porn aspect of the story but you know to the to the police aspect that's how it went down that's all i remember but <laughs> when you get back no, out on the road times. with the band um I know when you work with people, because it was like this with Mike Shue at WAF and I, when you work with people all the time, you have your own language that's usually quotes of movies. 
When Pop Evil yeah. gets back together and gets back on the bus and goes out on the road, what movies are the language of Pop Evil? Oh what God, movies I'm are not, you guys quoting all the time? I'm not a big movie quoter, but I was just I was just quoting one the other day because it was so hot. Milk was a bad choice, and so maybe that would be. I don't know, I'm such a bad movie quarter, <laughs> but I was thinking about milk was the bad choice. I don't know if it's fits pop evil, but uh, I was saying to one of the kids that, cause one of the kids that, uh, you know, are, 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 are tiny, they of course don't know Will Ferrell and they were talking about Anchorman and I'm like, dude, milk, and all they drink is milk. And I'm like, we should drink milk when it's like 90 degrees out. And of course, so they challenged me and do it. And I'm like, milk was a bad choice. You should watch that movie. You know? So that's what, again, nothing to do with probably your question, but you know, I'm a good storyteller, I guess. Um, <laughs> I started, you know, when I was when I was doing just these interviews on the radio, right? There's a difference between doing a podcast interview like I do and then using it on my radio show or yeah. doing an interview for the radio because you're in and out mm -hmm. so quick. You can't have these long, amazing conversations a lot of the time. Yeah. One of the conversations and one of the questions that has come out of this podcast that I absolutely love every answer to because I'm such a fan of music and creativity and songwriting because I don't have those yeah. gifts. And I ask this now of every songwriter I know, so there's no yeah. pressure for you, but I no, know your no answer is gonna be great. If you mm -hmm. could go and name a song from any artist in any genre, any style of music from any yep. time that you wish you wrote as a oh, songwriter man. and why, what would it be? <clears throat> God, it's tough on the spot. I know it is. That's why I love mm -hmm. the question. <laughs> um, well, certainly any Rage Against Machines song, just for the fact that just they're so they're so powerful, impactful, and the way that they move the audiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, Killing in the Name, Freedom. I mean, those were all so so powerful. Wake Up. I mean, I think back in when you know we started, those were just so you know powerful to me. And you know, you even Bow to the Wall just the way that, that when, when Kid Rock was on the rise, just the way that the state of Michigan was kind of just moving towards him. You know, I still, I still remember that show with Bob. We went and saw, this was early on in his career and he played two or three songs in and someone threw like a empty glass bottle at him and it missed him and he dodged it. And of course, then he gave us the finger, told us stuff off and then walked off the stage. And we were like, who's this guy? Like, really? Who's this guy? And of course, then he becomes Kid Rock, you know? So it was, uh, Again, I love Kid Rock, so I mean a lot of that stuff. But then, then you think about some of the, the the ballads, you know, some of those timeless songs, "Stairway to Heaven." I mean, God, how can you really pick a song like even even "Dream On" by Aerosmith? Like, are you kidding me? Like some of that stuff is just gonna you're gonna be able to hear that stuff generation after generation, generation after generation, and want to get into music, you know. So I mean, uh, depends on what move. If I just want to break stuff and throw down, you know, I mean you know, rage, stuff like that, or even Metallica, some old school Metallica. But then, you know, when you just think about those timeless classics as far well, as- Well, that's the thing. It's like the craft of songwriting. Yeah. So yeah. it's like when you yeah. break down a song lyrically, yeah. melody-wise, and you just yeah. look and you go, oh, that song is perfect. Like- Yeah, I mean, it's, there's- Well, it's interesting because from a songwriter perspective, that song's perfect. But then there's the songs that might not be perfect, but they just change the way they change for you because you can relate to them. You know, and I mean, I even think of one of ours, like with Torn to Pieces, it was so, forget that it was one of our songs. It was just a song that helped me deal with the loss of my dad. You know, like, I mean, at the end of the day, a true songwriter is just, an exp you're, you're, you're letting your energy, that negative energy go, right? I mean, if there's no band and I'm sitting in Boston with you or you're sitting in Detroit with me at a bar and I'm like, you know, Carrie, check this out. Like I just wrote this song and you're like, wow. And even if you're 
can't relate to it, but you see the tears pour down on my face and you see that I'm releasing that negativity. It's just, that's the perfect song, you know, but it wouldn't be necessarily a perfect song for you if you're not dealing with that. So that one for me, if I think about, you know, the, the most impactful song in my ever in my life, you know, that song, cause it was like a gift to my dad, you know, like, thank you. And I wish I could have told you, I loved you one last time I was on tour chasing my dream in, in so many ways being selfish. You know what I mean? I was doing something I wanted to do rather than, you know, be home with him when he passed on, you know? So, but again, you know, the perfect song, I don't know if there's more, my honest answers. I'm sure there's one if I, if I could think about it, you know, uh, but I, again, I'm so bad on the spot. What songs <laughs> I remember? I don't, I, mean, I couldn't even tell you my favorite song right now, you know? So. Well, that's um, the gift know. of music is just how personal yeah. and su- and subjective yeah. it is that it, that it impacts. Right. You could write a party song, but it hits yeah. somebody because of a memory or something and it means something That's totally different. Yeah. 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 And you hit that on the spot, you know, it's like what those songs mean to you and that, and, and we get that now, you know, I mean, this is our sixth album, you know, our 20 year anniversary. So you get that. Those are some of my favorite comments when we meet the fans is, is, uh, you know, wow, this song helped me get through this, or this song was playing, you know, I first heard the song when I was going through when I first got married or, you know, I first met my, my love of my life, you know, and you're like, wow, like th- those are such powerful things to think about that your songs that you've created could, could, could be a part of, of people's, you know, best and worst memories. I mean, there's, there's mixed emotions for both those things. So yeah, man, it's just, you just try to, it just motivates you to get out there and try to outdo your last one or like your last song, your last album. I love the fact that the new album, um, is it versatile or versatile? However, I say both. Okay, Whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. Whatever uh, you're comfortable with. I love that bands have been riding this vinyl wave because I am just yeah. loving it, man. And like that yeah. there's so much attention being paid to the to the the gram of the vinyl itself, to the bifold, <laughs> to the artwork. And you guys did that. I can't believe cassettes are even back, to be perfectly honest. But the vinyl I totally get because it's such an experience to hold it in your hands and and yeah. forces you to to sit still and, and experience the music in a real way. Cause it's not like you're going to be out running with your goddamn record player. <laughs> right. Right. With your headphones on. Yeah. No. And, and you know, and you actually hit it too. I've been trying to get the cassette tape for years and we're finally just making one. So I'm excited about that. I can't but believe the vinyl, it's back. It's back. It's crazy. You know, and I can't, I hope it's back for a long time. Cause I, that's, that's old school to me, you know, the cassette tape. So, but the vinyls, absolutely. I mean, the way that the labels are, you know, spending good money on making sure the vinyls are basically your, 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 it's almost like your press kit, you know, like they're, they're spending the money now to make those vinyls um, exciting and entertaining to, to, to the fans that, that, that do collect vinyls and do enjoy that market, you know, and I, that's exciting. You know, when you can, I never would have thought we would have had any vinyls, you know, and I, I think back into the early pop evil vinyl catalog, it was like such an afterthought. It's like, wow, we got a vinyl. This is so cool. And now they're becoming, you know, so much more uh, mainstream. It's like, look, okay. That was the first thing we talked about is like, we're going to do a vinyl. We don't know if we're going to do the CD. So I was like, we're not going to do the CD. This is crazy. So, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, but we ended up doing all three, the CD and the vinyl and the, and the cassette tape, but it's the vinyl man. It just keeps growing. And there's such a, such a, a demand for it lately. It's uh, it's exciting, you know, to think vintage is, uh, is coming back in so many different ways. Before I let you go, I got to ask you this question because I saw a lot of debate online about it. I had a great yeah. conversation with um, Jack Underkoffler from Dead Poet Society a few weeks ago. And we were talking, my sister and I, 
started researching our family lineage through the lockdown because like, what else yeah. are you going to do? You know, you get on ancestry right, right. or whatever, and you start researching it all. And, and right. Jack and I were talking about it on the podcast and he went into this whole discussion about the meaning mm. of his name and oh, wow. what he had learned about his name. And I bring it up with you because as I was prepping, not that I needed to do a lot of research on you because I've known you for so yeah. many years, yeah, sure. but I started seeing this argument online amongst fans about the proper pronunciation of your last name. I love it. And I, I was it. like, That's you know what? I, I'm yeah. going to ask him about it in the podcast because I had that conversation with Jack and he went into this whole history of where his last name came from and what it means. And because your dad was an immigrant, yeah. like I was curious, can you settle the debate about well, how to yeah. pronounce your name, yeah. please? Well, it was pronounced Kakoti back in the day. It was K-A-K-O-T-Y. And then, you know, I remember when dad came, you know, as he got more Westernized, they put the K instead of the O. So it was Kakati. So it's like karate with the K. Kakati. Like Ducati, the bike. Kakati. So I thought it was so, very interesting that people yeah. were like, I'm like, wow, they're like, they're into this discussion about. They get, they get into it. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. You know, I haven't, I haven't been on the Google. I haven't been on, I've been trying to avoid it all the social media as much as I can. Cause it's so intense now. And yeah. I got the TikTok dialed in, but I haven't heard the debate, but yes, people have hacked my name up for years. I'm just so used to it. They, they usually say Kakati or whatever it is, but Kakati, that's the way. Um, well, you, you stay away from social, but I did watch you on Instagram yeah. live buying your own album at target. Oh, I did. I did. I did do that. It was awesome to uh, kind of go in and uh, oh, the baseball guys are back. You guys win the baseball game. Oh, you won the baseball game. 14 is zero. Oh, yeah. man, man. All right, I'm almost done. I want to hear about it. Are you on an interview? Yeah, I'm on the interview. So you're, okay. you're, say hi to everyone in Boston. Hi. Hi. There they go. Come oh, on, this is go. international now, babe. I got 120 oh, it's, oh, it's countries. International. It's, that's right. I'm, what am I thinking about? Come on, man. Say hi to everyone around the world. That's everyone right. Around the world. But special love to the people in Boston. That's Come right. Gotta, gotta, gotta give them some love. That's right. But um, yeah, um, it, it's... uh. Oh yeah, buying the tar. Yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm superstitious as ever, and I always have to buy. Normally, I'd buy at Best Buy, but Best Buy, I think we did the exclusive anyway with Target. So I was like, I gotta go buy it, man. And I actually was home. I was home for a few weeks in uh, in Michigan, so I got to buy it from the hometown, and all the people came out, and it was crazy. And it was it was it was weird because it's been it's been a uh, I've been able to go out, you know. So and again, all the family and friends are like are you afraid to go out now? And I'm like, no, dude, I normally wear a mask. Nobody recognized me, but I've had the mask off and immediately, yeah, what's up? Hey, Poppy. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I thought, so again, you don't, you don't always, you're not thinking about that stuff, you know, but it was great to, again, have the fans be excited about it and, and uh, kind of put me back in that frame of mind that, you know, shows are on the horizon. It's time. Yeah, they are. And, and I keep ready for rocking some shows. So, so what's up with Pop Evil? What's the plan? Just shows, shows, shows. You know, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things. I mean, Haley's, you know, overseas with these visa and all these travel things. You know, we're, we're fingers crossed she's going to get over. But, you know, I mean, either way, we got a great team to just get. I, again, I think the fans understand that, you know, at least post-COVID early on, things might be a little different and weird just because we, we're not waiting anymore. Like, it's right. time to go. Like, we gotta, we're going to do the best we can with the situations that we have. And I think that speaks for every band. Yep. But we just want to go and just get... I think we just want to get 2021 over with. Yeah. So by 2022, 
we'd be back to normal, you know, and things will be kind of, you know, back in the flow. And the great news is we have an album out, you know, a new single probably coming out here this summer and um, just do basically what we always known. And that's play shows nonstop and just try to make up for as much lost time as possible. And then I'm probably back in the studio sooner or later. That's the only bad news that probably, you know, this album probably is, is for a lot of us washed albums, COVID album, just kind of, you know, it's there and gone and got to do another one. So good for the fans to get more music and uh, just see what happens. Well, save a day for me for, so I can take you to a ball game. Oh my gosh. I'm holding you to it. I would, that would mean a lot. I cannot Absolutely. wait to do Fenway for the first time with you. Mr. Scary, it would be a true honor. Absolutely. You can you can write that in pen, not pencil. I'm on. I'm on. It. I'm on. It. And then we're going stone. to Mike pa- then I'm taking in my Mike Pastries. Yeah. I gotta get a I gotta get a cannoli, man. Dude. My favorite. I've been craving it. I've been craving one. Let me tell you, a local thing, yeah. they make yeah. the best pistachio macaroons on the planet. Oh my god, Dude. this is my favorite macaroon. Dude, pistachio- you gotta take me there then. You gotta show me that. Are you kidding me? It's considered we're going done. there. Consider it done. It's going to be it's going to be a cheat day. It's going to be a fat day. Oh. Cannolis, uh, macaroons. Oh, it's going to be, be all that squawking you did about living yes. a healthy lifestyle yes. for longevity, a career, we'll, and then there's going to be we'll pictures walk of it you off. on Instagram. We'll walk it off when we go to the when we go to the ballpark. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We'll walk it off. It'll be good. <laughs> it was that. so good to catch up with you. Thank you so uh, much absolutely. for being so generous with your time. It was great to see you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing you. Hopefully we're doing, maybe I can get to your studio in person one of these days. Dude, are you kidding? I would love it. It looks awesome. I'm going to hit you up to come in the war room too. When you guys announce your tour and stuff, you're coming in the war room. I can't wait. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Caleb, congratulations on the baseball game. Oh, they won. That's right. The kiddos won, man. I got to go find out about it. Get get on it. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye now. There he is, Lee Kakati from Pop Evil. If you want to hear some of the new music, check out the corresponding playlist for episode 53. Every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast gets a corresponding playlist where you can find all of the music that we talked about. In the show notes of the podcast, you'll also find links to find Lee online and get more information on Pop Evil. And you'll also find all of my social media links as well. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything from the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report is all of your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. And if you don't mind, give us a five-star review and leave a comment so I know what you thought of the episode. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Digital Federal Credit Union at dcu.org slash careers because they're hiring. And also Jumptown Skydiving, who's offering service industry discounts on tandem skydives Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at jumptown.com. And make sure you check out the official online Mistress Carrie store at mistresscarry.com. The Mistress Carrie podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.